It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Kevin McCarthy saying one thing in public, another in private about the riot, but caught on tape. McCarthy worrying about inflammatory language that some Republicans were using both before and after January 6th. Tension is too high, the country is too crazy. I do not want to look back and think we caused something or we missed something and someone got hurt. On the same recording, McCarthy called out by name GOP Alabama Representative Mo Brooks for his incendiary rhetoric just before the riot. Today is the day American patriots start taking down names and kicking McCarthy also targeted Florida Representative Matt Gates. This is serious He's putting people in jeopardy. And he, he doesn't need to be doing this. Gates said McCarthy's comments represented, quote, the behavior of weak men, not leaders. But after a GOP conference meeting today, Republicans aren't ditching McCarthy. He's got a standing ovation. He'll be speaker. Most Republicans ignoring the brouhaha. Congressman, did McCarthy address the tapes in there? Did McCarthy you? talk about the tapes in the meeting? GOP members instead chiding reporters. You know, what you guys really need to do is focus on the issues that America cares about. Democrats say Republicans are whitewashing the riot. It's all about the acquisition of power and, of course, bending the knee to the twice impeached former so-called president of the United States. But more leaks are coming, and the 1-6 committee plans public hearings in June. This is just the beginning. Any knife that's out there will be thrown in the direction of Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy refused to cooperate with the 1-6 committee. It's possible the panel could ask him again or try to get former chief of staff Mark Meadows for what would be a blockbuster hearing. Okay, Chad Program from Fox, Sandy Rios with you this morning. I actually, I confess to you, I'm on, if it has to be, a one-woman crusade to keep Kevin McCarthy from being Speaker of the House. Why? First of all, because he cannot be trusted, because we now know from a tape that he is supposed to be this buddy with President Trump at the same time saying he was sick of this guy and he thought he ought to, you know, on tape they caught him saying this. And they, he wants them to resign and completely undermining him on January the 6th. And then, uh, if that wasn't bad enough, then on tape saying that other conservatives, Twitter took off President Trump. And um, so Kevin McCarthy's response to that, well, why didn't they take off some of these other other guys? Like uh, other conservative Republicans. Why? Because they're icky. They get in his way. They are trouble for him. I'm telling you that people like Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy hate conservatives more than they do Democrats. And I want to back that up with a, an article that was just published in the Gateway Pundit, which we will post on our Getter page. Former Representative Steve King reveals what really goes on in Capitol Hill. McCarthy forcing GOP members to sell out to globalists. Um, and so I want to just read a little bit of this. Uh, you know, Congressman King was my guest a couple of weeks ago, and I recommend if you did not hear that podcast interview with him, it was powerful. 
He has a new book called Walking Through the Fire. But this isn't just about Congressman King. I mean, I know this because because I know things and because I know people on Capitol Hill besides uh, Congressman King. But he's reporting on this, uh, and the uh, Gateway Pundit has written this. Um, McCarthy argued that members of Congress who were complaining about the rigged election results should be censored and banned from social media platforms along with the sitting president. Um, every moment that he makes... This is what King is saying. Every moment that he makes goes through the filter, the calculation of, does it hurt me or help my prospects to become Speaker of the House? That's his abiding goal in life. Any lawmaker who strays from McCarthy and the globalist agenda dares to call attention to political prisoners who are languishing in solitary confinement for protesting glaring election theft on January the 6th, attempting to halt governmental vaccine mandate compulsory or compulsory, or refusing to compromise their values, face a penalty. And this is how it works. A freshman gets elected. Most of them are ideological. They want to go and make a difference. They've got an agenda. They get there, and the leadership tells them, now you're elected. Uh, we want, we're we going to give you an orientation. And um, that's uh, King says, for, for me, that was two days of orientation and nine of indoctrination. And they tell you, your job is to raise money. You go to your committee and vote, and when you have to, go to the floor and vote when you have to. Otherwise, we'll bring you over to the National Republican Congressional Committee, pick up the phone and dial down through the list and raise money. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And so, and then, of course, they take away committee assignments as punishment. King says that that's the first time it was actually unheard of. Even under Boehner, they didn't take away committee assignments as punishment because uh, members speak out. Now, understand that in the... Democratic process, Republican democratic process that we have set up in our Constitution, each person elected has autonomy. Your congressman should not be under the obeisance of Kevin McCarthy from California, not in this way. There's a certain party discipline that's necessary, but this is this is really, uh, he, he and Boehner before him went after conservatives who gave them trouble and uh, made sure that there was hell to pay. They actually, of course, these uh, help cooperated with the New York Times to get Steve King out of office. But McCarthy is, uh, you know, according to, you just heard the report by Chad Program, Program that um, Republicans in the caucus are saying he's going to be elected uh, Speaker of the House. That's because he threatens them, because they won't get any committee assignments or committee chairmanships. They won't get money for a re-election. They get punished if they don't support him, and they're afraid. Uh, President Trump has been silent on this. In fact, he sort of poo-pooed. Uh, Kevin McCarthy's uh, reported remarks, we have them on tape, about his uh, criticism of President Trump on January the 6th. Uh, And in spite of that, the president seemed to think it wasn't a big deal. So it is a big deal. And here's the problem. If Kevin McCarthy is elected Speaker of the House, this is what's going to happen. He will form committees. He's already working on them. They're doing campaign commercials about how there will will be payback. But what he's doing is he's putting all of the people that are loyal to him in charge of various things, lining them up to put them in charge of the committees. And I guarantee you, you can take this to the bank. You can trust my word on this. No real payback will happen. No real investigations will happen. Or if they happen, nothing will happen as a result of them. Because he's not on the same page as those of us concerned about January 6th, about the detainees, about the election fraud. Nothing will be done about those things. And uh, if he's elected to Speaker of the House, I think it will be like a kick in the proverbial gut, shall I say, for conservatives, for people who want America first, who are really putting it, laying it on the line. So uh, what does that mean to you? That means that 
uh, that means to me that you need to communicate to your congressman that they must not, you are watching, they cannot, must not support Kevin McCarthy for speaker. They cannot, They can, their committee assignment, whatever it is that they hope to get out of it, is not worth it. Uh, it is the price they might have to pay uh, for stopping what's happening, that the, the really a corruption that's taking place on Capitol Hill among Republicans this time. Yeah, so um, uh, there's a lot there. There's a lot going on also that I want to talk to you about. You know, there's an election Tuesday, a primary in uh, Ohio, uh, also in Indiana. But in Ohio, there's um, the Senate race seems to be drawing a ton of attention. We've talked about it. Uh, Josh, uh, I always want to call him Josh Hawley. It's not Josh Hawley. Uh, I'm just blanking out. Josh Mandel. Josh Mandel is... Uh, has been in the lead for a long time, and he is the pick of conservative groups in Ohio. He has been the state treasurer. He's sort of um, established himself as someone who really fights for conservative causes, strong pro-lifer. But uh, he has a rival now, J.D. Vance, because President Trump endorsed him. Um, So there's a lot of information about that this morning. I'm not even going to share all of it with you because some of it is like in the last days. It's kind of icky stuff that comes out. And you never know you never know if it's true or not. And this is the kind of stuff that causes people uh, to to lose their heads on elections when they hear these scandals at the last minute. So I'm only going to give you part of this. If you want to know more, you can Google it. But uh, Tucker Carlson, um, according to sources, called President Trump and urged him urged him to endorse J.D. Vance. You know, Tucker has J.D. Vance on a lot. And we all, I love Tucker, and I know him personally, um, but uh, in this case, uh, people in Ohio are not happy about this. Uh, so um, he, he persuaded uh, President Trump that, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you the reasons because it's, it's uh, kind of seedy, but uh, I'm not saying he's wrong. I don't know anything about it. Uh, but uh, he, that's the reason that President Trump endorsed J.D. Vance. Mark Levin is weighing in on this, and he says uh, for, on his Twitter page, he said, that J.D. Vance is not MAGA, he's not America first, and he's not even conservative. Um, he said, when will J.D. Vance run on his own record? He won't because his record is not conservative. It is not MAGA. It is not America first. It is not pro-working class. It is not conservative. It is not Tea Party. In fact, he's backed by billionaire Peter Thiel with millions in PAC money because he is and has always been a big favorite of the corporatist Hollywood elite. That's his record no matter how his surrogates and commercials seek to remake him. Um, and then Mark goes on to say that Josh Mandel has been a constitutional conservative, taking on the rhinos, GOP establishment, special interest, Tea Party activists, and billionaires like Teal his entire career. I endorse Mandel. Don't tell, don't let Teal buy this Senate seat. Uh, and then he says Ohio's real constitutional conservative is Josh Mandel. That's what uh, Mark Levin has to say. Um, uh, this, on the Peter Teal issue, it looks to me that Peter Teal has his finger in many of the races around the country, at least one more, and, and others too. Uh, the one in Arizona comes to my mind. Uh, Peter Thiel is a billionaire, a tech billionaire, and he is uh, supported President Trump. Um, he's uh, uh, openly gay, although I don't think that disqualifies him from being a conservative, except on the social issues. So I have to be very clear with you what I think about this. But Peter Thiel doesn't care about the social issues. He's actually said that. He doesn't care about the moral issues. They're just kind of in the way. He is uh, conservative in other ways. Uh, and um, so then when he backs someone, then you wonder. You know, I, that, that's why I always tell you to look at each candidate and see who's behind them, see who's supporting them. In this case, J.D. Vance is supported by Peter Thiel. 
that may not may or may not be a good thing. You'll have to look very carefully to see where J.D. Vance stands on the issues uh, and who's supporting whom. Okay, so that's coming up Tuesday. Uh, by the way, that, yeah, you can find that if you want to look for it. You'll, you can Google it and find it. In Tennessee, you may have, I don't know if I told you this, but if I, if I didn't, you should know it. Those of you in Tennessee certainly know that the uh, woman who was running for, uh, hang on a second. You know what? I don't know what she was running for, but it's uh, Morgan Otega. She was with the Trump administration. She was in uh, the National Security Division. And the state party has kicked her off the ballot and two other people. Um, They basically said that they did not uh, qualify, uh, according to the rules, of being what's called bona fide Republican. But now people are... Uh, pushing back and saying that's not at all the case, and the rules actually don't say that in the case of Morgan Artegas that she uh, is disqualified because she, uh, basically I think it's, it broils down to she comes from another state, uh, she has the residency requirements, uh, but she's voted Republican in other states down in Tennessee, and they're, the, peop- the insiders there say, yeah, but she hasn't voted in Tennessee, so uh, they've decided that she needed to be disqualified along with the two others. So um, that's kind of in dispute, and I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I'm just telling you, I wish I could see what Morgan's running for. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's Congress. Yeah, I think it's, yes, it's Congress. Okay, there we go. So that's what's happening in Tennessee. And by the way, I have no opinion I've, about Morgan. I have no idea where she stands on things, so you'd have to figure that out yourself, so you, my friends in Tennessee. Um, all right, that's, uh, that's all I'm going to say on the, on the elections right now because we have so many other things to talk about today. This is one of those days where I'm just really eager. I'm eager to get at a lot of different things, so I hope that you'll uh, stay tuned. And uh, I promise I'm going to give you the best information I can this morning on all kinds of things. And I trust that you're not – I know a lot of you are listening to me for your information, and I'm, I'm honored, I can't tell you. But be sure you do your own research in your own state about candidates because I can't possibly – get to all of them, and you have some big decisions to make, and it is up to you. You know, the ball is really in your court now about which way this country goes. Uh, it's hard work, and it's a pain in the neck to have to worry about it this every day, but that is what we're, that's where we are. Uh, if we're going to turn the nation back, it has to be a pain in the neck for all of us for a while here. All right, <laughs> stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Millions of persecuted believers, they're suffering, and they can use your prayers and financial support right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International in the country of Zambia, the place where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. Shadrach is an elder in a shanty church. He had word that there was an attack coming one Sunday, and sure enough, 20 radicals showed up in attempt to kill all the Christians gathered for worship in that service, about 200 in number. Now, in self-defense, Shadrach had a handgun. He used it on a man named Ishmael, didn't kill him, but he injured him, but nursed him back to health. He was a livestock farmer, so he took care of the man's livestock. The daughter of that man could not read, could not write, so Shadrach would teach her to read and write using a Bible League program. And I can tell you, in grateful response, the entire family and 80 former radicals have come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. They need Bibles at $5 a Bible. Would you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. 
The American Family Association presents the Marriage Family Life Conference 2022, along with a youth apologetics track. The Marriage Family Life Conference does not exclude children on purpose. It's It's built built in. in. We want families to come. And the thing is, if you look at what people who hate God are doing, they are going through great lengths to indoctrinate our children. Yes. And so this is a a chance to be on offense. They're going to be equipped. You know, at the same time you're being equipped, we care about what's happening with our children. Please join us for this year's conference, July 7th through the 9th, at the Bancourt South Arena in Tupelo, Mississippi. Register now at marriagefamilylife.net. Better hurry, though. Registration ends on May 15th. We're just looking for ways to help equip families for what's going on. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. At Liberty University, we're proud to support those who serve and protect us every day, like first responders and past and present military members and their spouses. As thanks for your service, we offer special tuition rates and discounts. You'll also find deployment-friendly classes and degrees tailored to your specific interests and career goals. Learn how Liberty designs degrees just for you by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. A Florida atheist is demanding public schools ban the Holy Bible. Chaz Stevens fired off a letter to superintendents in eight school districts. He says the Bible has no place in classrooms or libraries. Mr. Stevens tells the Miami New Times he was inspired to call for the ban after the state banned more than 200 books because of inappropriate content. Most recently, 54 math books were rejected because they instructed children on critical race theory instead of how to do long-form division. Mr. Stevens says the Bible is filled with topics that are inappropriate for kids, ranging from assault to a passage in Ephesians about slavery. So far, no districts have banned the good book, but at least one, Duval County, has asked the state for guidance on how to handle the issue. It's not the first time the atheist has raised a stink in 2015. A number of cities dropped their moment of prayer at meetings. He threatened to pray in the name of Satan. Good grief, America. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Justice Thomas knows what all of my very conservative, dear black friends know is nobody is treated more brutally in this country than a conservative black. And it's just like Justice Thomas said at his hearing, he was the victim of a high-tech lynching, and I would submit anyone that continues that abuse is further contributing. No, is further contributing to the same high-tech lynching. Yes, sir. All right, so yesterday there was a committee hearing that you probably won't even hear about because I doubt it made the nightly news. It was the Judiciary Committee in the House, and they held a hearing called Building Confidence in the Supreme Court Through Ethics and Recusal Reforms. Oh, that's code for we need to get Clarence Thomas out of there. He either has to leave the court, he needs to recuse himself because he and his wife, you know, she is a conservative and that's going to influence his decisions and we have to get him off the bench. And so uh, it was really interesting how the thing developed, and I'm just going to give you a few moments of it. Uh, This is one of them. Um, Congressman Jeffries uh, went to New York University Law School. He's got a lot of uh, credentials. 
Uh, and yet this was his uh, his grilling of Mark Paoletto. Mark Paoletto was formerly with the, the uh, Trump administration. He is a I can't even think of his credentials right now, but he's an attorney, uh, and he's representing right now, actually, uh, uh, Jenny Thomas, but not in this hearing. I'm, he's just an expert on recusal and all things judiciary. So Jeffries comes after him. I want you to hear the exchange. I want you to hear the challenge to Mark Paoletto, and I want you to hear how Jeffries responds to Mark. Let's listen. His colleague from Texas just made the observation uh, that Justice Thomas has been subjected to a high-tech lynching. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, and I believe, uh, Mr. Paoletta, you've echoed a similar sentiment. I think your quote is, Many on the left hate Justice Thomas because he is a black conservative who has never bowed to those who demand that he must think a certain way because of the color of his skin. What evidence do you have to support that uh, incendiary charge? Uh, when Sherman... Uh, Benny Thompson calls him an Uncle Tom because of his views on voter ID and affirmative action, when in fact more black Americans support voter ID and with respect to affirmative action in college education, they're 62% opposed to it. So so that is the most vile, disgusting thing you can say. And and, and so, yes, that's that's, that's the evidence. Reclaiming my time. Yes. There are a lot of vile, disgusting things that can be Well, you just asked me for an example. The notion that that is, right, when some members on this side of the aisle and others have been called the N-word throughout different points of our life belies uh, the point that you have a particular bias. Uh, And it's an overstatement, which is not surprising when you look at the balance of your testimony. And if Chairman Benny Thompson uh, has an observation to make, uh, he's entitled to free speech. You apparently believe that Jenny Thomas regardless of how many conflicts uh, she has, is entitled to her own political opinions uh, as well. Uh, Can I give you another example? No. (laughs) All right, so uh, this word high-tech lynching has been used against Clarence Thomas. That's really outrageous. You just heard Louis Gohmert use it, and that's what Jeffries is saying. So really, what evidence do you have? What evidence do you have that there's any, you know, anything like that, any racism coming from this committee? And so Mike Pregoletta, without missing a beat, says, well, your chairman, Benny Thompson, has called uh, Justice Thomas and Uncle Tom. Uh, And then Jeffries jumps right in, well, and basically says, well, he can do that. He can have an opinion because he's been called the N-word and I've been called the N-word. So we can do that. It's okay. Uh, And then Pregoletta says, do you want me to give you another example? No. Yeah, because there were plenty. So that just gives you an idea. And you do understand, the reason I'm playing this for you is because the left is mercilessly, constantly after uh, Justice Thomas and after Jenny Thomas right now. They have not let up. I've talked about it before, but they have not let up. And they're trying desperately to hurt them in any way that they can. And uh, they've had some effect. You know, I think it's been very difficult for the couple. They love each other. Can you imagine on a personal level how this is? They went through this when he was um, went to the, the uh, um, hearing process uh, decades ago to get on the bench. You know, they gave him a horrible time. Joe Biden was the cheerleader on that. Uh, very, it was a very racist, uh, insulting hearing, and which they accused Justice Thomas of ridiculous things. If you go back, I can't say what they are because they're so not because they're ridiculous, but because they're they're vulgar and ridiculous. So um, this has been going on for a long time. He is really, in fact, you know, when they they uh, built that Black History Museum right downtown on the mall in D.C., there was nothing under. This is under Barack Obama's reign. 
as president. They did, they had nothing to Justice Thomas. Nothing. No mention of him. Nothing. Oprah. They had. I think they had Oprah's gold toilet. They had something of Oprah's, but nothing about Justice Clarence Thomas. You see how this goes. All right. So uh, it's really pretty dangerous and disgusting. Uh, but I want you to hear Mark Paoletta because the, you might say to yourself, "Well, is there some? Is there something to this?" You know, Jenny Thomas is a strong conservative activist, and she's very clear about her opinions. Uh, she, you know, she supported the president. She, uh, she wanted there. She doesn't believe the election was rightly decided, and that, you know, that's going to affect him. So he needs to recuse himself, right? Because that that seems right based on how they're saying it, right? So let's hear Mark Paoletto uh, state what really is the case. Here it is. Thank you for this invitation to testify at this hearing titled Building Confidence in the Supreme Court Through Ethics and Recusal Reforms. Unfortunately, the title does not reflect what this hearing is about. If confidence in the court is lacking, it is not due to issues of ethics or recusals. Rather, the confidence in the court is undermined by the coordinated campaign by the corporate media and Democrats to smear conservative justices with the goal of delegitimizing the court. Why now? Because liberals fear that the court finally has a working conservative majority that may sweep away a number of longtime liberal landmark cases that cannot stand up to more rigorous constitutional scrutiny. And in this effort, Democrats in the media are trying to threaten, intimidate, destroy, and remove any of the justices who may constitute this new majority. If you think this is hyperbole, perhaps a brief reminder is in order. Democrat Senator Chuck Schumer stood on the steps of the Supreme Court in March 2020, directly threatening Justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch as the court heard oral argument on an abortion case. He said, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Less than a year earlier, Democrat Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, the lead Senate sponsor of this proposed legislation, filed an amicus brief in the Second Amendment case pending before the Supreme Court, where he threatened the court that the court better drop the case or face the consequences. He wrote, the Supreme Court is not well, and the people know it. Perhaps the court can heal itself before the public demands it can be restructured in order to reduce the influence of politics. And now, we are now in the middle of the latest attack in the 40-year war on Justice Clarence Thomas this time an all-out assault on the justice and his wife, Ginny, for so-called ethical transgressions, such as Justice Thomas allegedly failing to recuse because of his wife's activities. It is a false and malicious attack on two good people. The left hates Justice Thomas because he is a black conservative who has never bowed to those who demand that he must think a certain way because of the color of his skin. Their racist attacks have repeatedly sought to portray Justice Thomas as dependent on white people, from Judge Larry Silverman on the D.C. Circuit to Justice Scalia Mr. on the Chair, Supreme this Court. is completely out of order. I don't hate Justice Thomas. Nothing about his race. Let I the witness finish his testimony. This is not inappropriate at all. This is regular order. All right, so that's the first part. But I'm gonna, I, wa- I want to continue. I want you to hear what uh, Mark says uh, because this is, uh, this is important stuff. And it, even though it's not making headlines— this is a movement under, you know, kind of underneath the surface that will have tremendous impact on this country because what they want to do is appoint a ton of uh, leftist judges to outnumber the conservative justices on the court. That's really the goal here. And you know what that's going to mean. And, and I have to say, to put this in context also, when Chuck Schumer said what he did on the court steps, warning and um, warning the justices they better not make decisions that they didn't like. That's never happened from—I don't think that's ever happened. 
Because the judiciary, that's the third branch of government. They're completely independent. They don't have, they're not supposed to have any political considerations and no fear. Uh, but look what they did to Kavanaugh. You think Kavanaugh had fear for his safety and his family? Uh, look what they did to Amy Coney Barrett, same thing. This is just out of hand, and that's why I want you to hear now what the truth is about the recusal. So Mark goes on to say this, clip two. The witness shall proceed. And always his wife. It's despicable. Justice Thomas triggers the left, exposing their racism. But 30 years later, Justice Thomas is still standing strong, considered by many to be our greatest justice. But it appears that the left also really hates Jeannie Thomas because she is an outspoken, unapologetic conservative woman. Justice Thomas has acted ethically and honorably at all times. To date, he has had no reason to recuse himself from any case because of his wife's opinions or activities. The new recusal standards being applied to Justice Thomas have no grounding in the law or in precedent. Judge Stephen Reinhart, a liberal icon from the Ninth Circuit, did not recuse from a case challenging a ban on same-sex marriages, even though his wife, who was the head of an ACLU chapter, had spoken out against the ban, and her organization had even filed, joined, two amicus briefs in the court below. Judge Reinhart wrote that his wife's, and this is quote, views are hers, not mine, and I do not in any way condition my opinions on the positions she takes regarding any issues. Judge Reinhart concluded that, as Gabe said, a reasonable person would not, be, uh, would not believe he would be partial simply because of his wife or his, her organization's view. Judge Reinhardt also determined that his wife had no interest in the outcome of this case beyond the interest of any American with a strong view concerning the social issues that confront this nation. Sound familiar? When Judge Reinhardt voted exactly as his wife and the ACLU had advocated, nobody accused him of being a puppet of his wife. In fact, just Professor Stephen Gillers co-panelists filed a brief defending Judge Reinhardt, writing, a spouse's views and actions, however passionately held and discharged, are not imputed to her spouse. A contrary outcome would deem a judge's spouse unable to hold most any position of advocacy, creating what amounts to marriage penalty. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's husband, law firm, appeared several times before the Supreme Court, and Justice Ginsburg never recused herself. In fact, she voted in favor of Marty Ginsburg colleague's client. Based on the law and precedent, Judge Reinhardt and Justice Ginsburg properly did not recuse. But these and other examples in my written testimony prove that Justice Thomas is correct in not recusing from any case to date because of his his wife's activity. More troubling, in 2016, Justice Ginsburg directly attacked candidate Donald Trump. She called him a faker, trashed him for not releasing his taxes, and opined that she feared living in America if Trump were elected. Talk about undermining the legitimacy of the court. She did not recuse from cases involving the Trump administration, including one where President Trump was challenging his subpoena to release his taxes. Of course she voted against President Trump. But despite Justice Ginsburg's dangerous foray into president's politics, presidential politics prevent Donald Trump from being elected. No Democrat called for hearings or talked of impeaching her for these partisan attacks or her refusal to recuse from cases involving President Trump. All right, so that's just part of Mark Paoletto's testimony before the Judiciary Committee in the House yesterday. I think he knocked it out of the ballpark, but you see how dangerous this is. And it's necessary uh, that the statement of truth that Mark just delivered about what recusal means and what it doesn't mean and how it's been used in the past is important for you to know, too, so that you don't have, you're not uncertain about what's happening here. Now, I, I also would just challenge anyone that anybody that knows the history of Clarence Thomas or knows anything about him would be an absolute fool to say that he's only conservative on these issues. He only believes the way he believes, whether it's on January 6th, however he believes, or a voter integrity, because of his wife, Jenny. That is the most ridiculous thing. If, if you even have an inkling to believe that, could I recommend 
that you go to, I don't know, Amazon Prime or some outlet, whatever you use for movies, and look for Created Equal. And watch the story of the life of Clarence Thomas. You can read the book. If that's better, read the book. And you will see that Clarence Thomas went through, he did not get into law school uh, on affirmative action. Uh, he had a grandfather who was uh, ruled him with an iron fist uh, because he came up so poor. He had a mother that was so messed up. How he became a radical leftist, part of the part of the black, you know, p- power movement, and then he saw a destruction. He saw where it was going to lead. He saw people get hurt, and he had a real spiritual awakening, and it changed his life dr- dr- drastically. Uh, suddenly, he began to see the world differently. That's when he became a conservative. I can guarantee you that Justice Clarence Thomas is not conservative on the issues because of his wife, Jenny Thomas. They didn't meet till decades later. This is a ridiculous accusation. It's possible that a sitting justice who was chosen because he was a conservative could have a conservative wife and that they might actually agree on issues. So this is, uh, and yet they're, they're trying to destroy both of them. And I have to say that Jenny Thomas is a powerhouse in the country not only in Washington, but privately, and, and I, if you haven't picked up on it, and I should say that I, I know them well, uh, and I've, I've had a front row seat to their character, and uh, that's why this makes me so angry. And so uh, we can't let this happen to them. He really is probably the most powerful conservative on the court, not about the power, but because of his innate convictions, his immovable, unshakable conviction on the issues that are is his conviction. He doesn't borrow it from his wife. She's equally powerful in her own way uh, with her convictions. She believes strongly. Uh, she started grassroots mo- grassroots movements. She's, um, she has strong personal convictions, but so does he. And so um, it's ridiculous and it's wrong, but I wanted to bring that to you. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, there's you have sent me so many fascinating email and I'm going to go to that next. I don't think I'm going to be able to open the phone lines because I want to make sure I have I neglect so often um, your email messages to me. I can't get to all of them, but some of them are so important and I just never get to them and I'm sure you wonder what happened. It's just uh, there's just only one of me. It's very very hard to get it all done, but I try. <laughs> I do try. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, some really great stuff, shall we say? Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Target is in the bullseye because of its transgender bathroom policy. A petition by the American Family Association to boycott Target now surpassing a million signatures and counting. People have their own beliefs and stuff, but what can it hurt? What can it hurt? What can it hurt? It hurts our daughters. It hurts you. It hurts our families. It hurts me. It hurts all of us. Sign the petition to boycott Target at AFA.net. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, 
Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The 128th Psalm explains that it is the individual who's been transformed by the power of God who then builds the transformed family. Transformed families build transformed churches. Transformed churches build transformed communities. And transformed communities impact the broader society. The way forward in America is repentance and living locally. Focus intensely on your families, your local church, and your local community. What goes on in your house is far more important than what happens in the White House. Great Commission execution must begin in Jerusalem. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The Ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas will resume today on Capitol Hill the role he played yesterday as a human piñata pummeled by critics on both sides of the aisle, frantic about the wrecking operation that passes for the Biden administration's immigration policy. Its dismantling of so-called Title 42 will soon see 18,000 aliens illegally entering our country every day. In response to that prospect, Secretary Mayorkas blithely claimed, quote, We're preparing. We are implementing our plans. We are intensifying our efforts, unquote. Actually, the plan is nothing more than to ensconce those invaders across our country as quickly as possible. If congressional Republicans gain a majority in November, it will be substantially due to the immense harm being done to public health, public safety, and the national security by the Biden Mayorkas team. They deserve to be impeached for it and surely will be. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It has been a wild 48 hours since the world's richest man dropped 44 billion by Twitter. Free speech, suddenly the hottest topic in all the land. Many liberals have had a collective heart attack as they watch in horror. And man, oh mercy, I have to say, I love, love every minute of it. But something weird is also going on behind the scenes. All of a sudden, conservative accounts are seeing massive spikes in followers. And the exact opposite is happening to progressives. Huh, 
It's so weird. The theory is that the company is now monkeying around with the algorithms before Elon takes over and shines a light under the hood to cover their tracks. Twitter claims nothing like that is happening, you guys, but conservatives all seem to agree something's up, bro. For instance, I usually gain, I don't know, 100, couple hundred followers a day, and now I have 10,000 new ones. Yesterday, I don't know, like 5,000 more. Thank you. That's nothing. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. has like 435 million new followers. 70% of Republican lawmakers, they're reporting the same thing. Oh, well, all right. That was Kennedy on, on Fox. And I just thought that was funny. And that is that is the report that people, conservatives are picking up like thousands. I think, uh, oh, Don Jr. went up like a half a million, something like, I may, may be overstating, but a couple hundred thousand at least. Uh, so, and, and then uh, <laughs> leftists are losing, have lost overnight uh, lo- uh, listeners, uh, followers. A lot of the followers, you know, are not real. They're bots. That's part of the game that they play on Twitter. So this is interesting. And as we watch it unfold, there'll be more interesting stories. All right. I want to uh, get through some of your email. Okay. Some important ones here. This is from Arkansas and this is from Pastor Mark. And he wants me to know, this is his view on this. He thinks that Sarah, he's not the first person that's told me this, Sarah Sanders, who we all loved as President Trump's uh, press secretary, clever, she just was amazing, Uh, but uh, she has disappointed many in Arkansas. I'll just read his words here. She started endorsing rhino candidates and said Asa Hutchinson has done a great job as governor. Hutchison did very poorly through COVID and has done the bidding of Walmart to promote the transgender agenda in Arkansas. And Sarah is taking in money from Walmart and out-of-state donors and showing herself to be an establishment candidate. A grassroots conservative movement is rising up and getting behind Doc Washburn. He gets a great response everywhere he speaks. We need to get the word out about Doc. Uh, He got fired from Cumulus Media because he refused their vaccine mandate. Uh, He's a national talk show host. He has a very interesting story to tell. He opposes corporate vax mandates, but Sarah supports them. We have a chance to get a truly conservative governor in Ohio, uh, in Arkansas, who will make a big difference. Could you please help us in the effort? I will check him out uh, at Doc Washburn. I don't know anything about him except what Pastor Mark has told me here, but uh, I'll share with you what he suggests to so go to electdocwashburn.com and check this out. And uh, we were, we're going to try to get Doc on uh, uh, to see what he has to say. Okay. Uh, this is from um, this is from Lena. <laughs> she says, I'm only 18. I'm 18 years old. I'm the young lady who asked Dan Crenshaw a question this past January when it went viral. You know, I remember that, but I can't remember what the question was, Lena, but good for you, kiddo. She said, um, she's very nice things. I want to thank you. She said, I'm a loyal listener and supporter. I listen to, you, to it every day on my way to work. It's by far my favorite podcast that I ever heard. Some people ask me. If I could meet one living person on earth, who would it be? And I say you. Lena, <laughs> that's a pretty amazing thing to say, so just let me understatedly say that's a, that's a great honor. Thank you. And maybe that will happen sometime. She says, I know you're not the biggest fan of Mike Pence, and neither am I, so wouldn't you specifically speak about it if he had taken Trump's advice on January 6th? That would be constitutional. How did you come to that conclusion? Um Lena, I did not say that. What I said, to be very clear, is that I think the Constitution is not clear on whether he could have done what President Trump asked him to do or John Eastman asked him to do or others asked him to do or whether he proceeded to let the uh, 
the deliberations go forward in spite. I think he could have gone either way, and the Constitution didn't talk about it. I think it was a choice he made. That's my point. I, I, I don't think it's unconstitutional to do either thing or constitutional to do either thing. I think it's not clear. I think he could have done that if he had wanted to. So that's my position on that. Elena, thanks. And by the way, if you want to know more about that, John Eastman has written a lot about that. He's been a guest of ours. He was formerly with Claremont Institute. He was the attorney who spoke on January 6th on the platform with Trump. He wore a hat. Um, He's uh, just a great guy, and they're going after him with a vengeance. But John has written about this in great detail from a legal point of view. And if you Google him, you'll find it. Okay, so let's go to uh, so many of you wrote about my recent interviews. I interviewed three of the J6ers in jail. What a privilege in D.C. Uh, was amazing. And um, also then I interviewed Matthew Perna's aunt. Matthew, Matt was the, the J6er who took his own life about probably six weeks ago, maybe two months. And I interviewed his aunt, which played last Friday. I hope that some of you who've missed those, you'll want to go back last, I believe, I'm sorry, I can't remember the dates, but I think it was Thursday a week ago that I uh, in, um, interviewed the guys in the jail. Um, I'm not sure. But if you go back in the podcast, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, you can go to AFR. To the podcast, you can go through our app, AFR Talk, and find the podcast. So I hope that you will do that, and you can recommend it to others because this will help raise awareness of what's happening to them. Trucker Dave says, Trucker Dave says, Thursday's show with your interviews of the Capitol Crusaders certainly incarcerated in the American Gulag, was outstanding. I wrote down the various sites and addresses in the dust on my dash and will do what I can to support these guys. And uh, God bless you, Dave, for doing that. And so uh, this is from Marie. Marie's son, uh, Daniel, was arrested. He's been uh, on house arrest with an ankle thing around his ankle for over a year now. He's a journalist. It's ridiculous. And um, she says, there are no words for me to express my gratitude for you to do these interviews with three of our prisoners. They are special to me because I have met two of their mothers, Leslie for James and Sherry for Bobby. I hope and pray this will continue to raise awareness for their plight. They really need private lawyers. They can't afford them, just as I'm saying this. They've got public defenders who could care less. Who could care less? They're not on their side. They're not getting good representation. And so um, that's something that they need, she said. So please pray that some lawyers will step up and take these cases, even at a reduced price. I do pray that. I actually advocate for it um, anyway with attorneys. So uh, this is, and some of you may know attorneys, so that's not just for me. That's for all of us to try to do what we can. Um, Deborah says, uh, I'm sending each of the ones you interviewed some money. I'm also lifting them up in prayer. My heart is breaking over what is happening. Deborah, that's, thank you for that. That response, that's wonderful, wonderful. And this is from Al. He says, I heard your interview uh, and wept. They are patriots, and I pray that God will bring justice. I waver between rage and brokenness. God help us. How do I communicate with these guys? You said we could email them. Uh, And so, yes, and so this is it, Al, and others listening. You can email these guys and actually get their backgrounds too. Patriot Mail Project. Patriot Mail Project. Project.com, PatriotMailProject.com. That's just one source, but that'll give you lead you to other sources. This is uh, from. Um, okay, this is from. I, he doesn't have the, give me the name, but it is a guy. Uh, he said, um, 
Thank you for reading Jeremy's open letter. Jeremy was the a former, I'm going to do this by memory, but uh, I think it was a Green Beret, some special forces guy, uh, who went to the Capitol to provide security. He'd been working with the FBI, and um, they basically set him up, and when he would, they wanted him to turn and be a spy, like on some of the people that he was working with, and he just would not do that because I think he felt they were mischaracterizing what these groups were there for, whether it was Proud Boys or uh, some of the other guys who went there to to provide security because they were afraid that um, and Antifa would hurt uh, Trump supporters going to the Capitol on J6. So he refused to cooperate with the FBI, and they uh, arrested many of his the guys that he was working with, but not him. And finally, when uh, there was one final moment where he really refused, and suddenly all of these, uh, let's just say, black cars, uh, FBI agents were unleashed on him and his home, and he has been arrested. It was just a really uh, powerful letter. So that's what he's saying. Thank you for reading that. I'm sad to say this is just one of the many things that keep proving to me that the fix is in, and we are a country of cowards. I suppose you think I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but I'm just plain cynical. I'm also ashamed of myself and my country and the American church, just astounded that this coup continues virtually unabated on all fronts. Uh, I just want to say this to you, my my friend and listener. Uh, You said a lot of great things, but I'm going to choose this. You say, I feel ashamed of myself and my country and the American church. This is what occurred to me because I, I... you know, I, I feel that sometimes too, but let me caution you that shame, shame does not come from God. Shame comes from Satan. And why do I say that? The proper guilt if for whatever you've done or not done is appropriate. And the proper guilt produces real repentance. And so, and that's something that happens, doesn't take, you know, you don't have to bow beat, you don't have to, you know, beat yourself on the back like some people doing fasting times. A lot of Roman Catholics tradition was to, to kind of, I can't remember the name of the, there's a name of the thing that they beat themselves with and because you have to endure your shame. That's really not God's way at all. God's way is this. God's way is like the woman caught in adultery. Jesus said, you know, she was sorry and he forgave her sins. And he said to her, what? Now go and, you know, uh, beat yourself on the back. And in, in six months, you can, re, you know, you can stop feeling shame after you've beaten yourself every day. He didn't say that. He said, now get up, go and sin no more. Stop it. Just stop, stop, stop. Go and sin no more. With Jesus, every morning is new. So we just shouldn't waste one minute of emotional uh whatever capacity we have on shame. Let's just fix it, okay? Let's just fix it. Whatever you can do, if you've been, uh, you haven't been, I'm speaking to all of you now. If you haven't done enough, then if you feel you haven't done enough, then turn the burner up. This is a new day. If you feel that your church has not responded properly, then get in there and swing away and bring truth to your church and get them to wake up spiritually. Most importantly, quickening of the Holy Spirit in your church. But uh, don't don't even take a second to accept that if it brings you to whatever personal repentance you might have to make because you haven't done anything, do it, and then get on with it and change things. Okay, this is from Gwen. She said, after listening to your interview with Matthew Aunt, Matthew's aunt, that's uh, Jerry Perna, and Matthew is the one who killed himself, did you imply, she asks, that Matthew did not go to heaven? Gwen, I don't know where you got that. No. I never implied that. I can't even imagine. I never think that. I, I'm not of the camp uh, which believes that suicide is an unpardonable sin. I don't think that's true. I don't think if uh, there's nothing God can't forgive. Nothing. 
that God can't forgive. And so, no, I don't know why you thought that I said that, but I didn't. Uh, the only thing that he can't forgive is if uh, you don't believe in Jesus. And that's the, that's the unpardonable sin. If you reject the Holy Spirit and the, the truth about Jesus being the Son of God and you refuse to make him Lord of your life, that's, that is the thing that will make your choice then will be to go to hell, not heaven, because you made that choice to reject him. This is from um, Linda Reffitt. She is the mother of Guy Reffitt. And Guy is the one who got that, well, I reported, because that was my understanding. I'm still not an expert on this, but uh, he's, he's, they're waving around an incredible sentence. Uh, and when he was in court, uh, his, his attorney did not call any witnesses in his defense and didn't even put him on the stand. And I've mentioned that a couple of times. But she says, thank you so much for your ongoing concern. This is his mother, Linda. I just wanted to let you know the guy has not received a sentence yet. His sentence hearing will be on June the 8th. I'm praying that Judge Friedrich will be fair and merciful. And Linda, we join you in that prayer. Father, we do pray that Judge Friedrich will be fair and merciful. Father, we ask that you would have mercy on Guy. Please, Father, just stay the enemy, the wickedness that has just overtaken this. You can do that, Lord. And I ask you to, in the name of Jesus, amen. This is from... um, this is from Carol. Oh, this is great. I, and I've got a minute to tell you. She was so moved by the interview that we're talking about with the, both with Jerry and then the, the, three, uh, the three guys that were in, in the jail in D.C. She wrote her Congressman Michael Guest, and she wrote something so eloquent. Carol, this is just off the charts. She appeals to Congressman Guest about Matt Perna and who he was. She tells him who he was, and then she basically says... You will proclaim you are about election integrity, medical freedom, border security as much as I do. But this nation is represented only by individuals. Um, Those who ask to be representatives must have greater courage and passion for justice than an ordinary citizen. And um, she says so many other things. I wish I had more time to read it. But, Carol, you just really knocked it out of the ballpark. I'm going to share your letter with others because I think it's a great template. All right. God bless you guys, each and every one of you. Thank you for your uh, thoughtful, warm comments, your encouragement, and also for your diligence to partner in saving this country. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.